All right, so this is uh, Calvin um, recording another interview for this Res Metal podcast. Um, I have uh, Corey here uh, from Merciless Indian Savages. Uh, how are you, Corey? I'm good. Awesome. Um, so Corey is uh, a guitarist in uh, Merciless Indian Savages, so... Um, hey, Corey, uh, do you mind just kind of giving you yourself a quick introduction? Yeah, for sure. Yat e she tranezla ni nishle do turik oje bashishin nana mai deski ni dashche ado nashte je dashnale akut ego e de nashkin nishle. Everybody, my name is Corey. I'm originally from Sanders, Arizona. And I am the vocalist and rhythm guitarist for my band, MIS, which stands for, like Kelvin said, Merciless Indian Savages. All right. Um, you said you, uh, you grew up in uh, Sanders? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Not a deal, yeah. Yeah. But is that a... down the road from Fort Defiance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, is that kind of where you grew up mostly or did you kind of move around oh yeah um i went to school all the way through high school there and grew up there and yeah but it's not until college that i moved out to california oh really wow where'd you go out in california yeah so i met the other members of the band at stanford actually we're all stanford students awesome yeah that's 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 really cool. That's cool that you guys all met out there. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, what what year did you guys like kind of start? Um, well, I'm assuming you guys kind of just met up, but kind of like, um, how did it kind of grow into this band? Yeah, I feel like um, we all had our separate, you know, Stanford journeys into like realizing the way things work and more about our our identities, and I feel like. The more we learned about it, you know, the more complicated it got. And I don't know, I feel like for me, at least, I just was super frustrated with everything, you know, going on. And I don't know, for me, I needed an outlet, you know, a way to express all these things going on in my head and, you know, a way to like let that out. And I don't know, that kind of like brought me back to metal because I used music to, you know, get through things and definitely at school too. Like I would ha I'll always have my jams going when I do assignments and everything, you know, and I don't know. It was just, for me, it was just like re refining that and appreciating that a little bit more, you know, toward the end of schooling. And it, it's a way to like, put the things I've come to understand and learn about myself into music. And one, uh, our last year, me and Jacob, um, he's the, the lead, lead guitarist and Onanga from Alaska and he's from the Aleutian Islands. And we kind of like, I don't know, had similar frustrations and experiences as far as like the way we view things now. And we were both, you know, one of the few metalheads on campus and we both played guitar. And <laughs> one one day we were just like, should we try to do this? And we were just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's try it. <laughs> awesome. 
Yeah, can I can I go back a little bit? Um, how did you uh, end up uh, choosing Stanford as your uh, as your college? Uh, me, shit, dude. Like, so going to high school, you know, I just I got good grades and all, but I didn't have like super high um, goals and expectations of myself. But I went to this amazing high school program for native students in in high school and that that program's called College Horizons and I got the chance to go to New York for a week to learn about the whole college admissions process and that that was where it like it was all a possibility for me, you know, like, oh, you know, even though I'm from a little res town and this school, you know, I can there's a possibility of me going to these schools. And Stanford wasn't my first choice. <laughs> um, I got rejected from a bunch of schools first. You know, I applied to like 10, 10 or 12. I got rejected from most of them. And Stanford was actually like the last one I opened. And yeah, that's awesome. It just sort of happened. What, what did you uh, study at Stanford? I studied something called science, technology, and society. It's a. Uh, kind of kind of weird major that no one really knows about <laughs> but it's interdisciplinary so that's like a degree one would use in like silicon valley and you know those tech tech companies you know okay yeah no i um kind of like have a similar experience. I went to the University of Arizona in Tucson. Um, like like you, I got good grades all through high school, but I did not know what to do. Like I didn't have any like major my first year. I think I was undecided for two years, and then I eventually settled on molecular and cell biology, which is kind of similar to you. It's a degree that only people who want to go into like dental school or medical school or pharmacy school. It's like it's kind of like a like it's a it's kind of like a stepping stone you know it's like people who get that degree usually don't usually don't really use it because or you know they use it as a as a transition to like a like a professional program but yeah but like like you said i always like like listen to metal i got into metal when i was like i want to say probably like i don't know when i was like in sixth or seventh grade and then just kind of always yeah. stuck with me. Yeah, for sure. For me, like, uh, my older brother got me in the middle. So that's where it all started. It kind of started in middle school as well. Yeah, what were some of the bands that first uh, got you into metal? Um, initially, you know, I kind of always knew about, like, Iron Maiden, Metallica, and those those, like, mainstream more mainstream bands that everybody knows about. But like when I really dove into it was when my brother showed me this band called Trivium. And he's like, oh, Corey, check this out. Um, you might like this. This is, this is kind of like the new, the, the new Metallica. And he like puts the CD in the, or like in a truck, I think. And I was like, okay, like I, I see it. And then from there, I just kind of like started listening to metal more and more, getting into other bands and checking out Trivium's other albums and yeah that that was my introduction oh yeah i, I love trivia my, my first uh 
my earliest memory of Trivium was in my dorm room at U of A in Tucson. Like, uh, I had a TV and I would, I would watch Headbangers Ball every Saturday night because, like, I didn't go to parties or anything like that. I would just kind of sit in my room and just, like, watch Headbangers Ball. And I remember the, I think it's, like, Light, like light to the Flies, that music video. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I just remember it was, like, super catchy and super heavy and, that was kind of like my introduction to them. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And that's cool to see like the their journey too, where they started and like where they're at now. They're like one of the big name, big names. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome because, you know, like bands like Metallica and like Megadeth, Slayer. They're kind of like, you know, they're like in their fifties and sixties now. So, I mean, Slayer already yeah. retired, and so it really like I know a lot of people hate on Trivium, but I. Um, I totally support them just because they're going to be one of the, you know, the next uh, line of headliners. Like once Metallica decides to stop playing, then, you know, Trivium, Lamb of God, um, you know, Kill Switch Engage, those those bands, it sounds like that we grew up listening to are going to transition into that like headliner spot. So it's kind of cool to see. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no doubt, dude. Yeah. Um, like. My my first, like the first time I really got into metal was, um, I remember one summer, my older brother and I stayed on the res just to, you know, help out with the planting corn, herding sheep. And I just remember like our older cousins would like, <laughs> they'd like smoke weed every day and like just listen to Danzig and like six feet under and just like all the like, I mean, they're like probably like 10 years older than us, but I just remember like, yeah, Danzig always kind of like stuck with me because then. I recognize like when Danzig would play on the radio in Flagstaff. I, I just remember that that was the band that my older cousins were really into. Um, nice. Yeah. That was yeah. like a pretty good intro. Yeah. yeah no, but I, I honestly, I was a big new metal, a new metal kid. Um, I was all about Corn, Slipknot. Um, I think those two, Lincoln Park too. I mean, Lincoln Park's first album to me is probably their best, but. That's kind of what oh yeah, yeah Lincoln Park Hybrid Theory is amazing yeah yeah no, that's that's I love that album, album too I um I kind of like backed off from Lincoln Park because I think they got really popular and uh, I recently mm -hmm. picked up um, their second album uh, what was their second album called um, uh, Meteora or something uh, the one um, I forget, but their second album, I remember it came out like my senior year of high school and I kind of just blew it off because I think everyone kind of, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Meteora. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I picked it up uh, not too long ago, like at Barnes and Noble because it was only like five bucks and it, mm -hmm. yeah, that that's really good too. Like every, every track on that album could, could have easily, you know, been a radio, radio song. Yeah. But um, yeah, like, so you, you mentioned your experience at Stanford, um, like the frustrations that you talked about, was it mostly like with the, with the institution there or just kind of like other kind of like, uh, historical injustices? Like what were some of those frustrations you, that really kind of, you know, made you want to like use the band as your outlet? Um, yeah, it's just like all that you said, all of the above, um, the historical trauma and like history, native history, and just like my experience at Stanford, because a lot of the times I was the only native student in the room and I would like understand 
things a certain way. And then my classmates would just like stomp all, all over that like perspective and they wouldn't acknowledge it. And, you know, they wouldn't just wouldn't see it. <laughs> so it was kind of crazy. All the microaggressions and times, like I felt infuriated just because I was the only native in the room, you know, like these other um, peers of mine, you know, they don't understand the things way the way I understand it just because, you know, I'm native and I see the world through like a different perspective they can't just couldn't comprehend you know like and this would become apparent when like you know i try to like live by eh, and i don't know dude just it just wouldn't make any sense when i try to like you know be that person in class and you know things are being taught and said that you know just are are pretty absurd if you like think about it and put it into context um but yeah dude it's just like just that whole thing that you just said rolled up into a ball and it's just like something that builds up in you and i don't know i just wanted to see if i could articulate that through um metal like um, combine these two things I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about my identity and I'm passionate about metal music. And yeah, I was just wanting to start the band and make an album was this that that like feeling of, you know, wanting to put all that energy towards something, you know, something positive that, you know, other people might be feeling that go through a similar experience, you know, coming from a a small res community and just like being culture shocked into when you're introduced into like college you know i went from <laughs> sanders arizona to freaking one of the most privileged places on earth stanford university <laughs> that's a big so transition. yeah did they have a lot of like good support for like native american students there Oh yeah, for sure. If if the NAC didn't exist, the Native American Cultural Center didn't exist, it would have been way, way, way harder. And it was also really cool to see and meet um, other other Native American students that are from different tribes and they have their own experience. You know, I talk to them and learn from them and that just like widened my perspective even more and I got more context of like, you know, the way things are, the way things go, you know? Yeah, that's, that's, that's great that they do have that support. Um, I guess they, uh, where I went to school, they, they had a pretty good, uh, they had a really good uh, center, the, uh, they call it NASA, Native American Student Affairs. Um, uh, I, <clears throat> I would use a lot of like their resources there. Um, but yeah, like you said, like just meeting like like-minded people or people who are motivated is kind of like what got me through that experience. Cause like, um, like, yeah, I kind of had a bunch of, uh, classes where you're right. Like, you know, they, they're teaching about Native American history and then they kind of like, you can feel like everyone's eyes on you and, you know, they kind of, you're kind of like going to be the spokesperson for all these kids that never stepped foot on the reservation and, yeah, that is kind yeah, of exactly. it's frustrating. Yeah, you gotta have to kind and of when it gets words. like and it went and when it gets like personal, that's that's the hardest, dude. I had a class where we were talking about, you know, I don't know if you heard this about this case. It's like 
the Habat Supai um, tribe, they had a case against ASU, and that was for like um, the genomic, blood samples, genomic studies, or something. Yeah. yeah so right. that that was like one of the one of the most frustrating things I had to endure at Stanford was because we were talking about this in class, and I was the only Native student there, and I was just like hardcore, like there's no way you could spend this. The Havai Supai people were exploited. Like no matter what, that was like where my mind was at. And other students were just saying absurd things. And we were also like role playing for some reason. Where like students were pretending to be on the ASU board of directors or something. And then you had students that were pretending to be like Havai Supai tribal members. And they were trying to like debate, having us debate against, against each other. That was like one of the most horrible feelings in school I ever, ever went through. Yeah, I was just like yeah. enra enraged and like shaking because of, I was like, this is too real. Like, I don't know. I, it was just crazy. Yeah, no, that's, that's totally frustrating. Um, and then it, yeah, just to add fuel to the fire, like you said, you're surrounded by a lot of like, um, pretty, um, privileged, uh, you know, are people who grew up from families of, you know, privilege and like, um, yeah, it's like, you can't, it's hard to change someone's opinion or perspective, like who just, you know, can't relate. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, and then the, there was just like, no, no middle ground. You just knew they would, they're not going to understand in that moment. So you just like shut down. Yeah. So there were a couple, couple, a couple moments like that in my undergraduate career. Just like, all right, I got a code switch because you're not worth my energy, and you know. So it's, it's a skill, that like got through, got me through a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Especially as you get, you know, into like the the you know a job, you know, you really gotta, people kind of like, you know you got to watch what you say and, you know, a lot of politics, you know, no matter where you go, like, you know, if mm -hmm. some person doesn't, if you don't make a good impression or, you know, if you, um, say something, you know, something, you let something slip for one moment and then that'll kind of, people will kind of have that in their mind. And then like, yeah, like in the future, if something comes up, you know, like that person will always remember that time you slipped up. So that's a really good skill mm -hmm. just to carry on, especially in the professional world yeah and it kind of sucks it has to be that way you know you can't you can't be authentic and for me to be authentic all the damn time at stanford would have been exhausting as hell dude like i'm not gonna lie so yeah that's good though you found music yeah, that, to, to kind of put that all that like frustration towards yeah so yeah that's that's kind of like where the band was inspired for, for me is just like going through that thing you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go to college and then get a good job right after that. And then, I don't know, me and Jacob kind of like seen past that. We're just like, all right, we did all this, you know, do we want to do what everybody else is doing or do we want to do like, you know, what we want to do and what's fulfilling to us and, you know, give that an opportunity and see where that goes first. So yeah, dude, why not? <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah yeah that's the 
I know the the name of your band really kind of caught my eye. Uh, uh, a friend of mine, um, he uh, he shared your your band's music um, on like social media, and uh, that I kind of was just like the name of your band really kind of uh, stuck with me. Um, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's a con- yeah. How, tell me about the, the conversation uh, starter. Yeah, <laughs> how'd you uh, how'd you guys decide on the name of your band? Uh, I'm gonna credit that to Jacob. Um, I don't know. One day we were just cruising around, and and like, I forget how he like came up with it. I think he seen a T-shirt that said it, and it was like, "Merciless and Savages," and then it said like, "Dash, uh, Declaration of the Independence," indicating like that's where it's written. And he was just like, "Oh dang! Like, what if that was our name?" And he like sort of brought that up and I was like yo that's I think that's a good idea because that's kind of like what we're about we're trying to like highlight these issues and you know things that we're aware about now that you know people should be realizing and talking about you know how these things are connected to history and our experience now like and it's kind of like the juxtaposition I don't know if you noticed or listen to the whole album the songs in the album kind of like um touch upon those things like religion um we kind of like flip around the narrative of kill the indian save the man by like our song title kill the man save the indian you know and it's just like we wanted to make things that make you think and you know if you just think about like the context around why we're saying these things and yeah, just to get deeper and more of an understanding of the native experience. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I, uh, I, I got the CD and, um, been listening to it. Um, I, uh, I did go, go ahead and look into the lyrics too. One of my favorite ones is, uh, the song sellout. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That one's pretty, that one's cool. Just cause I, I, you know, definitely there are some frustrations I had too growing up where, you know, you, you meet people that, you know, you think you are going to get along with, but then you've come to realize that you're, you know, you're grown up, your experiences are completely different. And, um, uh-huh. I think one of the, I forget the lyric, but, um, something about not being, uh, the token of the, you know, of your race. Like I, that's one thing that I was, uh-huh like being a token in any situation always, I get really uncomfortable and, you know, I just, you know, I don't like to people please, especially people that I'm not like, you know, people that I feel like I don't relate with. So that, that was one of my favorite songs and lyrics from your album. Nice. I'm glad that one stuck out. Yeah. Do you write most of the lyrics or does the other band members Write lyrics. Um, I wrote I wrote most of the lyrics on the album, and then a couple of songs Jacob wrote. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's really cool. I like I still buy CDs. I mean, I grew up in the you know, grew up on CDs, so I got the CD and I've uh, been listening to it on my CD player. Um, and then um, I went ahead and like kind of looked up some of the lyrics on the the Bandcamp page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. No, I'm I'm just uh, just a big fan of the the band, the music, and really just want to kind of you know talk with you and just kind of uh, or you know talk with the band and 
kind of hear your guys' story. Uh, what have you guys yeah. been doing since like the whole like uh, pandemic with no with no live shows? Yeah, dude. So um, we're in Phoenix right now. Uh, me and Jacob moved to Phoenix with the like expectation we were gonna like move the band forward in whichever way we we, we sort of like could last year. But right when we got here, dude, like every, that's when everything that's when shit hit the fan. Like we got here in February and the next month, you know, everything shut down and that just kind of like stifled our plans for the band and everything. So we just been, you know, riding this pandemic out. Um, we just kind of like got, got jobs and tried to practice as much as we could uh, and prepare for like when, when things sort of ended and then we also you know tried to produce the album and you know add the final touches that we needed to add throughout the whole year and we sort of almost forgot and we were like telling everybody we're going to put out an album this year like 2020 an album's coming out and then the pandemic happened or and <laughs> It just kind of like messed up our plans to release the album and you know do the things we needed to do on that end and i think in december i was just like yeah we told people <laughs> we were going to do this so we need to like release this before 2020 ends you know yeah but yeah yeah i don't know when like it's still i mean the pandemic's still kind of gonna slow down but hopefully with all the vaccinations, you know, like cases can go down and they can kind of open up more of the uh, live venues. Uh, have you guys been able to play some shows like since uh, the band started? Uh, no, not not at all. Like I said, we our our drummer lives in on the Gila River Reservation. He's on Akuma Awesome and we, we practice at his place and we just been practicing so far and we haven't had the opportunity to like play any venues or anything because you know they're all shut down we might do a live live stream or something further down the road or something like that you know yeah yeah i noticed some a lot of bands are doing that and you know putting it on like youtube and that's always i'm a big fan of the like watching live performances since since there's been no shows i've been buying up a lot of like live concert you know bands with like concert dvds like at zia records um yeah i was watching the i, I got a i don't know if you know the band cataclysm i, I got the, one of their uh dvds that has like a full concert on it it's like a documentary and like a concert um i was just watching that's that awesome. the other day um, yeah yeah that's it's a good way to like just keep the keep the name of your name your band going and you know when the day yeah comes where yeah there's live shows you guys will have a, an audience you know of fans to you know that want to come and see you guys oh yeah dude like it's it was difficult keeping the momentum up all of 2020 you know yeah and we're, we're still we're still trying to like um figure out things too because we're just beginning as a band and like I said, I, I kind of like put 
put a lot into a lot of thought into these lyrics and you know i want to talk about you know the songs i was thinking about like ways to do that and ways to interact with our with our audience you know mm-hmm. so this is this is one of one of the ways and i appreciate you reaching out and giving me the chance to sort of like explain some things yeah i know i appreciate you for letting me talk with you and uh yeah i really hope that uh you know the live shows and live venues can open up and you guys can definitely you know kick some ass um yeah, yeah dude like playing live shows that that excites me dude like i don't know just having an audience that's all about the music and just feeling that presence from the stage. Yeah, I agree. I, I was living in Phoenix for three years. I just moved here back in September. So I was in, I lived in Phoenix from 2017 to 2020. And uh, I did go to a lot of shows last year, last year, especially just cause uh, I knew it was my, it was going to be like my, I knew I wasn't going to stay there. So I did go to a lot of shows and, um yeah it was worth it you know all the all the money i spent was worth it <laughs> yeah dude like shows concerts are always a good time yeah for sure but you know you're in a good that's, city too because there's a lot of good um a lot of good uh local bands uh in the phoenix area yeah and there's a, a bunch of like res um native metal bands too like i've become familiar with and you know these are the bands you know Hopefully, I'll be sharing a stage with that at some point. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I love any you know, native band, you know, res metal band, like I'm, I'm always going to support, you know, with uh, either buying their CD yeah. or one of their show or something. I just, I just think, I think it's just a, you know, health, uh, to me, I feel like it's a healthy outlet. Yeah, dude, it's obvious the connection between like metal and native communities, you know, I think. You, you already talked about the the freaking Revolver magazine uh, story on that, right? Uh, I talked with uh, the drummer of uh, Mutilated Tyrant. He he kind of gave me some yeah, uh, kind of like how that kind of how that came about. Um, yeah, that's I thought that was a really I mean I thought it was kind of cool. Um, my only my only complaint was that they didn't play any of the band's music. I was just like, what? Yeah, and they didn't they didn't like like show the names of the bands where they could find their music and you know go support these guys or something you know yeah yeah for sure it's like they and that that was kind of like an an example of like you know indirect exploitation like cool story but we're actually not going to do everything in our power to help you (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah no i i think um there's another magazine. Well, I mean, it's from the other band, uh, Alien Weaponry. I think it was um, the what was it? Kerrang. Kerrang did a article on um, Alien Weaponry when Alien Weaponry did their show. Uh, I believe in like Gallup or Window Rock, but um, yeah, I think, but they, I think it was in Window Rock. I went to that show. Oh, you did? Yeah. 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 Was it at the I think uh, fairgrounds? They played. I was in the sports center. Oh, okay. Uh, they played with Born a Winter, One Bullet Away, and Alchemy, and some other bands. I can't, I don't know if there was more. Nice. Yeah. 
of the cool show. Yeah, no, I I really want to kind of talk to more, um, you know, kind of like native bands. Um, So definitely want to talk to uh, some of those bands that you mentioned. Um, Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and um, I'm sorry, I don't want to cut you off here. But um, the only reason I I keep these short is because I have a a data plan with SoundCloud. And so... Yeah. If I have like a, a show that's like really long, like it eats up a lot of my data for the year. It's 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 nothing against the bands. It's just that me being a cheap ass, <laughs> not wanting to like spend the money on the yeah. data plan <laughs> for SoundCloud. Um, for sure, man. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I'm trying to get the show. I keep trying to submit to iTunes, but they keep rejecting my. I guess I'm supposed to provide like an RSS feed, and for whatever reason, mm-hmm. my RSS feed keeps getting rejected. So I need to fix that and. Because I, I like, I prefer iTunes for listening to podcasts. Yeah. But, um, well, cool, man. Like I said, appreciate you reaching out, and I'm always happy to talk about our music and like all that, all that good shit, dude. So, all right. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. That was my interview with Corey Ashley, singer, rhythm guitarist for MIS, Merciless Indian Savages. Check out their music on their band camp uh also check out their socials instagram facebook and twitter uh, i'm gonna go ahead and just play a song off their album i'm just gonna play the first track off their album um kill the man save the indian all right check it out mm-hmm. 